if you can convince the lowest white man he's better than the best colored man, he won't notice you're picking his pocket. Hell, give him somebody to look down on and he'll empty his pockets for you. End quote. That was a quote from President Lyndon Johnson. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Lift Every Voice. My name's Conrad, and I am joined today by my friend and co-worker, Nick Myron. Uh, He's an anti-racism educator organizer along with me. And we are talking today about racism without racists. We're going to be talking about white code, how white people talk in code. We're going to be talking about power and politics and how white men have shaped their language so that they can lure other white people into voting for racist policies and practices because they think that it's not going to hurt them. So having said all that, I'd like to welcome my friend, Nick Myron. Hello. Thanks for having me on here, Conrad. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, my name is Nick. I've been doing, uh, I've been intentionally anti-racist for about 15 years. Uh, when I realized that racism is not just about my own personal faults and actions, but, but about that power piece that I didn't understand at first. Uh, so I've been uh, working towards a liberated society ever since and joined a uh, Roots of Justice about four or five years ago. Conrad, you and I have known each other for uh, quite, a, quite a long time now, over a decade, 2007 maybe or 2008. Yeah, yeah, it's been a long time, about that long. Yeah. So yeah, happy to join you today. Thanks for asking me. Well, um, thanks for coming on, man. And <clears throat> what, what I didn't say about Nick and he didn't say about himself is that Nick is a white guy. And uh, <laughs> I don't want to tell anybody about that. <laughs> and uh, and I, I identify as Af- African descendant male, um, living in the United States, born and raised here. And I've been deliberately anti-racist for since uh, probably 1990 something, late 1990s, when I started looking at power and race and gender and all of those things and making some decisions for myself. One of the reasons why we started with that quote from President Lyndon Johnson is, I'm convinced that there are a lot of white people right now who are very quiet about the voting rights issues that are happening in the country right now. We've seen that there are politicians who came all the way up from Texas to Washington, D.C. because they were trying to stop some voter suppression legislation in their own state. So they had to flee the state and and go all the way up to Washington, D.C., where they are lobbying Congress to pass um, some more voting rights legislation. And the fact that we even need more voting rights uh, legislation in 2021 is part of the problem. The fact that we're even having this conversation this year is actually part of the problem. And I think My analysis is that we are having this conversation again because too many white people don't understand how this issue impacts them. So they're quiet, they're silent. And the silent white people allow the crazy white people to do whatever they want. And then they sit back and say, oh, that's a shame. 
once it happens, once the crazy white people get their way. Because the, the so-called not crazy white people <laughs> don't understand how these issues impact them. That's why I'm having, that's why I invited my friend Nick to have this conversation with me. Am I, am I, am I crazy, Nick? Nope, that, that sounds pretty right on. So which one are you? Are you a are you one of the crazy white people who 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 really doesn't feel like this impacts you, or are you are you one of the white people who realize that uh, this impacts you and you need to be busy? Uh, well, some white people would call me crazy. I am that crazy white guy. So <laughs> there's that. Uh, but but certainly the way I would identify myself is the latter. Uh, I definitely have begun. Uh, because of the intentional process of, of anti-racism work, uh, understanding how racism has impacted me as a white guy in harmful ways. Uh, it's not been beneficial to me uh, in any kind of depth um, at all. It's been you know, beneficial in terms of economic opportunities and some of them things like that. But uh, definitely I, uh, over the years, I've been able to understand a bit more about how I've been used and uh, um, hurt by, by structures of racism uh, in order to allow me as a white man to maintain the structure of power that exists. And what about my, what about my observation that, um, that not enough white people realize how this impacts them? What do you think about that? I think it's very true. Uh, even even white folks that come into the anti-racism trainings, you know, we've we've seen a lot of a lot of white folks come into these trainings. Um, there's the the realization as a white person that you are uh, so caught up in racism that you understand it actually shapes your sense of who you are and your identity, and then realize that there's some loss and some hurt behind that. Uh, it's it's a lot more than white people know they are being asked to understand when they come into a, a space of learning about racism. That's uh, not something that white people expect to, to be uncovering about themselves. That they, we really don't know, we, we don't know who we are um, if we don't understand how racism shaped us. That's, that's hard for people to, to hear. So yeah, it's a, it's a very, very accurate uh, perspective you had there. Yeah, um, I am. Um... I'm very observant like that. Uh, <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> the 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 other the other quote that I have that I that I want to share with the with the audience is uh, is, and I suspect that not many in my audience have heard that quote from President Lyndon B. Johnson. And listen, here's what I also want you to do: do your research. Don't just take what I'm saying at face value. Look it up. Look it up, take some time and do your research and look it up. Because just like other people who engage in social media platforms, you don't know that what I'm telling you is the truth. So look it up, um, do your research. Don't just listen to what I'm telling you. Um, but I've done a little bit of research and I've found that Lyndon Johnson quote. And listen, I've been doing this work since 1999 or 1998. And I just found that Lyndon Johnson quote last year. But, but that quote, that quote's been around since the 60s. But I just found it last year. And that for me, that makes the point that 
that it feels like this is something that I should have known. Feels like it's something that I should have heard about. But what we, but what I did hear about Lyndon Johnson was he signed the Civil Rights Bill and he signed the Voting Rights Act. Mm -hmm. So our 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 um, our education system gives us only uh, only roses. They give us flowery stories about about our politicians without telling us without telling us about the ugly stuff. Although this is not one of the ugly things that Johnson said. This is just a realization that he came to and he's trying to explain to the rest of the nation how white people think. Um, but that's not a prevalent quote um, that you'll see in, in Lyndon Johnson quotes. This other quote that I have is from a, another Southerner. This guy was born in Atlanta where I'm right now. And one of the reasons why I'm actually having this conversation with Nick is I'm, I'm, I'm concerned about, about my daughter's education. We're, we're, I'm from Philadelphia, I'm from the Northeast. We have a different education system up there. However, it's not great either on issues of social, uh, social studies because you know, we learn the same goofy ass romantic stories. However, in the South, in the deep South where I am, they put a significant twist on the romantic stories and almost make it so that the Southerners won the war, which, which is weird. Um, but anyway, this guy, Lee Atwater, he was born in Atlanta, where I'm at right now. And he was a political strategist and he worked for Ronald Reagan. And in an interview in, in 1981, um, the question from, from, uh, from one of the uh, interviewers was this. But the fact is, isn't it, that Reagan does get to the Wallace voter. Now they're talking about Governor George Wallace, who was an open segregationist. George Wallace stood in the doorway of a of a of a stood in the doorway of a school and basically said, segregation now, segregation today, blah, 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 segregation forever. Uh, he wanted to make sure that his white kids didn't have to go to school with little nigger kids. Um, so, so Atwater was was asked about how is Reagan going to get George Wallace's voters, and and to the racist side. And so, because Reagan was already talking about cutting food stamps, right? So, Atwater's answer was. Y'all don't quote me on this, which of course they did. <laughs> As a matter of fact, there's a when you look it up, you can actually hear the the audio tape in Atwater's words. So yeah, they quoted him on this. Y'all don't quote me on this, he said. You start out in 1954 by saying nigger, nigger, nigger. By 1968, you can't say nigger because that hurts you backfires. So you say stuff like forced busing and states' rights and all that stuff. You're getting so abstract now that you're talking about cutting taxes and all these things you're talking about are totally economic things and a byproduct of them is that blacks get hurt worse than whites. And subconsciously, maybe that is a part of it. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that if it is getting that abstract and that coded, that we are doing away with the racial problem one way or the other. You follow me? Because obviously sitting around saying 
we want to cut this, is much more abstract than even the busing thing, and a hell of a lot more abstract than nigga nigga. So any way you look at it, race is coming on the back burner. So what Atwater was giving them was 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 named the Southern Strategy, because it was always about how are you going to get the Southern racist voters to continue to vote for powerful white men, and 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 here's the part that that I want white people to get, and and people of color to get also. This was not about really hating black people. This was about maintaining power for white people. They were talking about finding ways for rich white men to maintain power. And they knew that what they needed to do is they need, they couldn't do it on their own because they're only the 1%. So they knew that they needed to bring along a whole bunch of other white people. And all they were going to give the other white people was a white power t-shirt. They were going to give the white power, the white people, what Lyndon Johnson said. He said, hell, give them somebody to look down on and he'll empty his pockets for you. So these two quotes kind of fit together. Lee Atwater was, was basically laying out, he was, he was proving Lyndon Johnson's quote that average white people literally only if you give them somebody to look down on they will vote for you even if because in that quote he said it will hurt blacks worse than whites and what atwater understood was that these policies these um states rights and cutting taxes and all of these so-called abstract policies that they were going to hurt white people too lee atwater understood that but he also understood that y'all were expendable white people because it was about maintaining power for white men, for rich white men. Nick, I'm ranting. Uh, no, that, that it's, I think such a powerful and necessary uh, history for white people to understand. Um, you know, a century before those quotes, you know, you had the, the, the ways that the Germans were first to be hated, and then they came into the fold of white people, and then the Irish, and then the Jews, and Eastern Europeans, and it, every time there was an influx of immigrants from somewhere else, the, there was ways that they weren't viewed as white, and then they eventually became part of the, the white power structure in order to maintain white power. Um, so now we don't have such ethnic uh, differences among white people anymore, especially legally, um, and so they're, they're getting clever and uh, creative and uh, I like I like how the, the abstract word is put in there because that's exactly what it is that they can enact all the racist policies they want and are and don't have to talk about race in any way right. and white people just go along with it too many maybe far too many white people I think the vast majority we just go along with it because one we don't know the history and probably some of us don't care to learn um and two, we're a lot of us are scared because we've we've kind of even though we're not the crazy ones necessarily, we've taken up that mantra of fear and anger. It's like we know the country is built for us, and we don't want to lose what this country means for us. And as long as we have hope that we can someday get to that that wealth status, right? Uh, we believe in the meritocracy. So if we can achieve 
what the people above us say we can, then we're going to stick with them because otherwise, you know, we'll be just like the Blackbird. And that's not what we want. And the trick that they pulled on white people was was making you believe that you have more in common with them by yep. way of your skin color than you do with the actual class that you're a part of. Exactly. And and the um, you use the word uh, use the word ignorance. There's a there's a Dr. Martin Luther King quote about the danger. There is nothing more dangerous than sincere ignorance and conscientious stupidity. Um, and he was right. I, I, I think, I think that there are a lot of people in our in, in our society who are sincerely ignorant. Um, and, and so, and <laughs> I like I like the part about conscientious stupidity too. The idea that you know the idea that you're stupid and you're proud of it, and you you are conscientiously working to maintain your stupidity, because um, I, I think. I think that's who we are. And I think the yep. education system plays a huge role, Nick, in in helping us to to maintain our conscientious stupidity and our and, and our sincere ignorance. Because there's there's historical stuff that we could know more about, but we've been trained to not look for it. Yeah. What brings to mind that the current a debate, I guess you could call it, I'm not sure what it is, it's critical race theory uh, and how, you know, people are training white people to not want to know that, that conscientious uh, stupidity. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, was at a, I was doing some work at a college some years ago and it was a, a, a day of dialogue where people of all different types, you know, races and gender and everything get together and just talk in order to foster a more open environment. You know how these things go, right? I do. It, it was coming after a, a overtly racial incident, of course. So they're responsible to do this day, this day of dialogue. <laughs> and so I, I was asked to come in and help train some of the, the facilitators who were employees of the college to, to do the program. And uh, the very first session I had, a white man asked, how do we make sure that this these sessions are open to Trump supporters, even though they may not... He wanted to make sure that Trump supporters were being cared for uh, in these environments, it did not feel targeted. Wow. Yeah, and so the, it, it's and so schools, education from kindergarten up to college, you know, you're, you're right on. They are actively uh, withholding information to students, whether it's that the way that colleges handle that situation or critical race theory, they're placating whiteness and the uh, and the ways that 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 ignorance, willful ignorance. Uh, they're playing right into that intentionally. Well, and and it, the danger for me in that, I'm glad you brought that up. The danger in that is, is that we've always, not we, but they've always felt the need to placate uh, uh, racists, right? To to make them to make them not feel horrible about being yep. racist. To make right to make them to make them not feel bad about how fucked up they are in their in their thinking about other about other human beings. So it's about you know it's about um, making sure that we stay engaged in conversation. Um, uh, and 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 I say that's bullshit. You know because w what's happened is every every time we do that, 
which is my fear for where we are right now. Historically, every time we've done that, it's meant the death of people of color. Because look, in, in when they were signing the Declaration of Independence back in 1776, they, they, they could have very easily, they could have very easily scratched out slavery, right? But, but they didn't, but they didn't. As a matter of fact, Thomas Jefferson had a draft that talked about the evil of slavery. That draft never made it into the Declaration of Independence. It never made it in there, or it never made it into the Constitution. But it was a draft, but it got torn up. And, and, and so in order to placate, in order to all get along, powerful white men, we got to all get along, they decided that, uh, that, that Africans would be uh, three-fifths of a person, right? So they so, so they made that compromise, which 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 resulted in millions of deaths of African descendants as a result of that decision. And then in 1850, again we had a we had a contested election in 1850. One of the parties was the Whig Party, but we had a contested election in 1850, and and again. It's, it's powerful white men figuring out how to, let's all keep the conversation going. It's not attack anybody for their views about, about, mm -hmm. about slavery or anything like that. And what did they come away with? They came away with a compromise that, that, that brought about the Fugitive Slave Act. So that slaves who had actually escaped from their captivity would now, the United States government was sanctioning that they should be captured and taken back into bondage. And why did they make that decision? Well, because rich white guys need to be able to get along with one another. And every time they've done that, every time they've made those compromises, it's meant the death of people of color. In 1876, that election, another contested election, right? And, and again, it's white guys need to, we need to be able to get along with one another as rich white guys. So what's the compromise? Well, the compromise is we'll pull the troops out of the South. And so they ended reconstruction, which led to the deaths of thousands of African descendants and the uprise and the, and the, and the deification of the Ku Klux Klan. The Ku Klux Klan at that point in this country was almost deified. There were, there were cities in the country where thousands of Klan members marched up and down the streets um, <laughs> with police protection, of course. So, so every time white men have gotten into these rooms, into these back rooms and made these compromises with one another, like Joe Manchin is doing right now on his boat, on his yacht in, in, um, in West Virginia, because Hey, people of West Virginia, I'm sure all of y'all have yachts like Joe Manchin. <laughs> right? And all of y'all have meetings on y'all's yachts like Joe Manchin. See, West Virginia, y'all are one of the poorest states in the nation. And you have a congressman who has a fucking yacht. What does that tell you about who the people you elect? Because historically, they've tricked us into believing that we have to continue voting for rich white men because they're going to have our best interest in mind. But they don't. They have their interest in mind. So when they get into these to these back rooms and they're making these deals. People of color get hurt, but just like uh, Lee Atwater said, it hurts blacks worse than whites. They know that y'all get hurt by this too, white people. They know it hurts you too, but they don't care because it's about maintaining power for them.
So this uh, this whole this whole conversation has been about is me ranting about white rich white men maintaining power, how they've tricked us all into continually voting for one rich white guy after another in our local politics and in our national politics, and how they've tricked us into believing that we are one another's worst enemies while they continue to get richer and we continue to get poorer. And we haven't found, re and we haven't found ways to develop sustainable alliances between the so-called races because white people are too busy trying to be Joe Manchin. It depends how, how deep you want to go into this. I mean, the, the whole, when you wrap in capitalism as a whole into this conversation, uh, oh. you know, then you, you look at the ways that we have to, and I use air quotes here because you can't see me, earn a living. The, the, and the hourly rate, the minimum wage hasn't risen in since what, 2009, I think, was the last time it went up. Right. Uh, and so you can, a lot of states are taking some steps to, to raise the minimum wage, but it's still not enough. So you can, you can work full-time job, because back to the meritocracy thing, you can do all that stuff that you're supposed to do, get through school, get the job, still not earn enough, even though the person you're working for is getting wealthy off of your labor, you're not earning enough to actually survive on your own uh, with that one job. And so, you know, we talk about some of the ways that white people are hurt, uh, I think it's important to really understand how that looks. <laughs> um, and then, of course, you have uh, with Jonathan Kozel wrote a book, Savage Inequalities, about different uh, different schools, the way schools are, are funded differently, handled differently, the poor education that many schools get because of where they are. And certainly race is part of that, as is um, uh, location. And... Uh, Right now in Pennsylvania, there's some, a lawsuit happening around fi uh, fair school funding because so many schools and places that don't have as high a ta tax revenue uh, yeah. in cities um, are not getting the money that they should be getting. Uh, and so I just wanted to put a few points on exactly how it's not just identity of white people that get that get hurt. It's it's that quote about worse than white people, black people worse than white people. It's very true. And white people need to know how we're being hurt by it if we're going to actually decide we've had enough and we should join forces with those who are being hurt worse than us yeah that's i'm glad you put that in nick and, and maybe uh maybe next monday we can find some time or some other time we can find some time to get together and do this again and talk specifically about that uh specifically about capitalism um, mm. and 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 how it how how that system is um how that how that system works is there's a couple of books that i've just that I've read recently. There's, the one is called The Whiteness of Wealth. The Whiteness of Wealth. It's written by uh, Dorothy Brown. She's a professor. Uh, I think she's a professor here at Emory University in, uh, in Atlanta. Really good book. Wonky, it's real wonky, but she does an excellent job of laying out how, how the, Specifically, the tax structure is designed to benefit white people. Um, anyway, so she does a good job of that. And uh, another one by Richard Re Robert Reich, um, The System. Uh, that's the title of the book. The System, Who Broke It and How to Fix It. It's a good book. Cool. Thank you for that. Uh, but um, it's a good book. 
So maybe we'll have another conversation about that. All right. So I guess we're, I guess we're at the end. This was good. This was a good conversation. I'm, hey. Awesome. Be well, man. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Yeah, you too. Good to see you and hear your voice. Yeah, enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. You too. You too. Yeah.